Hey guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and today I have Brett Freeman on the show. Uh, Brett is a WMBF pro, a fantastic bodybuilder, a fantastic guy, and a fantastic coach. And we talk through how Brett has been helping me in some of my peak weeks, what that's been looking like, and just talk a little bit about bodybuilding and kind of be self-indulgent in that sense. And as a reminder, definitely check out our ultimate guide to contest prep. We have an ebook, there's a hard copy as well. That'll be linked below. You'll find it in the Right Vive Stronger Shop. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host as always, Steve Hall. And on the other end, hopefully many of you will recognize the name if you're listening to this or the face if you're watching or you'll get the name as well. But this is Brett Freeman. Um, I don't know why I'm being weird about the intro. Uh, and Brett has been on the podcast a few times. Um, Arcee Athlete a, a long time ago, actually, which is a really fun episode. I think that might be the only solo episode. Otherwise, he's come on as kind of like uh, with Cliff, for example. Yes. Uh, but I wanted to get uh, I wanted to get Brett on on his own solo, particularly because, I mean, I have looked up to Brett for actually a ridiculously long time. We probably touched on it when I had you on solo when you did the Natty Radio um, oh podcast. Uh, and that was like one of the original podcasts out there. And I mean, Brett would go and interview kind of bodybuilders out in the world. Uh, and that was how I kind of gained a little bit of insight into that scene. And I even remember asking like a question on there. And I've got like, there's actually... That question has been aired on this YouTube channel somewhere. You can probably find it. It's like in a vlog of mine uh, where I kind of recorded your answer and uh, somewhat gave me like a step into making sure I pursued natural bodybuilding. I would say Matt Ogus, uh, Eric Helms, and then you guys over at Natty Radio really gave me the the confidence to pursue natural bodybuilding at a time where I was very unconfident and I didn't know if I'd be in a position to be able to fast forward however many years it is now is a long long time i've taken over a podcast <laughs> and i'm the host and uh, i'm interviewing brett which is like uh crazy to me and i'm now uh well like four and a half days out from wmbf worlds ultimately probably the kind of mr like mr olympia of natural bodybuilding as an amateur competitor so i've still got there's many levels still for me to go uh which we'll definitely dig into and also, and I'll, I'll give the mic over to Brett for a bit, but I just wanted to say because people may have seen that I've been kind of like tagging Brett over on Instagram and um, referencing him in some of the decisions I've been making. People have been asking like, oh, is Brett coaching you? Uh, what's the kind of what's happening there? And I'm obviously then relaying back to them what you're doing. And um, I can say firsthand, like, I do not think I'd be in the position I am now without Brett being there. I think I would have made some erroneous decisions. I think I would have been way more stressed and I, I wouldn't be bringing the look that I'm going to ultimately look the bring to Worlds. I don't know if I even would have got to Worlds. Who knows? Um, I might have kind of sacked it in. I, I don't know. But um, Brett, I think any competitor knows when you have someone in your corner who just has your back and can help you through some of the decision making and some of the, the kind of questions you have and even post-show, some of the doubts, um, it's invaluable. And I can say firsthand, and I've had some of Brett's clients even reach out to me and say how great of a coach he is. And I can say, absolutely. Uh, one of the, the key coaching qualities I see is like being empathetic, listening, being able to give feedback, but also be critical. And I can say Brett has definitely done all those things. And that's far above like, I don't know, being evidence-based and knowing the latest like PubMed study or what have you, uh, which Brett also keeps his pulse on, which, um, yeah, I pulled him foot for and partly is why he's in my corner because he is that person for me who we think very similarly. We've said it a few times where we kind of co-sign things off very often without even kind of, we're not discussing it and like just patting each other's back. It's a case we both come to the same conclusion kind of separately, which is really cool. And I really trust him and value his opinion. And ultimately, when you look at Brett uh, and go and check his Instagram bathtub, he's been there. He's done that. He has achieved what I want to achieve. And I think there's something to that as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's been great to have him because it, it's amazing to have Pascal. But we are business partners. We are friends. Not that me and Brett aren't friends, but we're, we work very closely together and it can be challenging sometimes then to take that into a coaching relationship as well, almost. So, um, yeah, it's it's just been amazing to have Brett to 
have my corner. So I don't know if that led to any thoughts on your side, Brett, but I just wanted to outline that and say again, massive, massive thank you for you just being who you are, actually being who you are. Man, Steve, thank you. <laughs> that was a mic drop. No, yeah, no, no. It's It's been a pleasure, honestly. It's It's kind of like just giving back, to be honest with you. And we've all been there. And even at the most advanced level, I do think somebody needs to be in your corner just to make those, you know, executive decisions or at least to help guide. Because I mean, you, you know how it is when you get into the nitty gritty of prep. I mean, your, your objectivity kind of goes out the window. So you just need that extra set of eyes that, you know, reassurance that instilling confidence within. So. And I think something that's undervalued as well is you need someone responsive uh, because yes. I like the reason I think it's been super helpful with Brett as well. It's like, it's not like I reach out to him one day and he comes back like a week later. It's a case of he'll be back within a good amount of time because I mean, it's a time uh, fat loss isn't time constrained, but prep is. So you kind of need to make decisions rapidly. Yes. No, it's, it's definitely a very time sensitive case. And I mean, we do have, you know, a difference in time zones, but still, I mean, I, I do think, if somebody's checking in, like if it's daily, I, I do think it should be within, you know, X amount of hours. It shouldn't take a day. It shouldn't take two days or a week. I mean, back in the dial up era. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how people did it like back then uh, and being with them on show days and stuff. And like, that's a, that's a challenging thing. And um, the thing I, I think I reached out to Brett basically when I was really into the portion of prep was prep. The portion before that was kind of just getting the first layer of fat off and then, I did a warm-up show, which Brett kind of helped guide me through in terms of yes. just checking over some photos for kind of peaking for the BMBF, that warm-up show. And from that point, I was just like, this is invaluable to have Brett in my corner. Like the just ability to be outside and looking in and almost forcing me to do some things that maybe as a self-coach you wouldn't do, like checking mm -hmm. your physique at particular times or what have you. You like to think you're diligent and you're doing everything you can, but sometimes you just want that objectivity in the outside eye so since then really we've been communicating i would say every week um, oh, and yeah. multiple times within weeks because i've done now five shows so brett has helped peak me for five shows actually and that's where the peaking process has been uh, a big part of our kind of what we've been doing but you consider that's five peak weeks um, and that's five weeks. And in that time, that's like half the time that I've been dieting anyway. So it was like, that's every other week as it is. So mm -hmm. that's also a big portion of like the fat loss phase. And as people know, like condition is key for natural bodybuilding. And I mean, that's something Brett always brings, but he also has the eye on the bigger picture. And I think for me, that's something that's definitely been something we've been like, condition can be a calling card, but do you want to drive? We have to be careful not to drive you too far Correct. down that road. Correct. Because at the end of the day, it's it's not it's not a glute building contest. It's we, you aren't getting judged just you know solely off of striated glutes. I mean, it's the whole physique, the package, and there's there's more to it than just you know rear side definition. And when it comes to because people might be interested in kind of like what does that process look like when Steve has been peaking. What has the communication been like? What are you asking for, Steve? What's the approach been there? Um, talk through basically what we've done. Uh, that would be really cool to hear, I think, for people. Yeah, no. So, I mean, as for, for any um, athlete that I do help peak, um, I mean, again, it does depend on, you know, the psychology of the athlete. So in regards to like check-ins frequency, it, it will differ. But in Steve's case, um, especially since um, his, physique does, his physique does tend to change uh, rather rapidly, like throughout the course of the week, um, we have had him check in uh, three times a day leading up to stage. So in the AM, uh, normally after his AM sessions, um, before the stage time, and then we'll get one last look in before the night, just to kind of see how his uh, load look looks at the nighttime. And then throughout the course of the week, we'll, we will assess and then, um, make very gradual changes as needed, uh, based off of, you know, AM fasted weight, his look, um, and just biomarker feedback from Steve. And that, for me, that's been really helpful because I think it, one, gets you posing quite a bit, yes. not excessively because you just go through the rounds, but it gets you practicing that. And that's kind of ultimate specificity towards stage as well. Right. And 
you get to learn. And for me, as I haven't coached as many people as like an Eric Helms to stage, nowhere near. Um, I probably actually coach less people to stage than you, Brad, actually, for, I, I would imagine so. Um, so I, and for me as well, when you're the athlete, to identify like full, spilled, flat, stringy, I'm getting better at it, but um, that's helped kind of almost like I've been a bit of an intern and learning about kind of what different looks look like for me, at least as an individual. And that's been really helpful. So it's kind of like, oh, by the end of the day, normally you look a bit spilled, but if you have that look at night, you probably have this look in the morning. Yes. And it's just kind of, I guess, babysitting the look in a way is that what the, we've been approaching it. Yeah, it's it's creating that predictable look day to day to day to day and just um, keeping variables as consistent as possible and just repeating that look and holding yeah. it. And again, just babysitting it leading up to the stage. And I, and I feel like that's where a lot of, um, I mean, new, new, new prep, um, not, not coaches, but just, uh, athletes in general tend to miss the mark because they're expecting such drastic changes day to day. Whereas if you're conditioned, if you're, you know, hundred percent fat free, I mean, peak week isn't some magical week. It's, I mean, all, all the hard work is already finished. It's just holding that look, leading up to the stage, making sure condition is, you know, held, you're full, not spilled, and voila. <laughs> and actually, this has just brought me on to it. I'm going to put you uh, on the, what's it called? Prep brain's kicked in. I haven't had enough carbs today, Brett. Uh, so in terms of um, my condition, actually, where I am, if you were coaching me, or not even coaching me, just in general, do you think I could do with even like another month of prep or do you think this world has come at a very appropriate time for me? Do you feel like, I don't think I'm hundred percent fat free. I mean, I know I'm not hundred percent fat free, yeah, yeah. Dead, but I know I've even got a little bit more pinches to go. Um, so yeah, in terms of where I'm at, where, how much more would you assess or think I have to lose potentially to bring that ultimate like fat free look? So based off your shots from this morning, you were 167-ish. Um, I, I do think another month would be able to bring you into like even more prime condition, kind of like in a Dirk, Philip Ricardo sense or a Whitaker. But then you but then you risk either losing tissue or you risk running two flats. And then, you know, that completely ruining the look. So I, I also do think it, it is based on muscularity of the athletes. Like, do they have enough size to, you know, bring that condition? Yeah. Um, so it would really be a toss up. I, I do think you could get more lean. I mean, a anybody can, you know, I think it's also, um, what was I going to say? Something that we recently made a joint decision on, actually, it's interesting, uh, because me and Pascal just spoke about this on the improvement season, which I think has come out now where I basically explained what we we're doing, why we're doing it. And I told you, Pascal's like, I'm not sure I would be yeah. doing that in your situation. <laughs> Obviously Pascal hasn't had that communication level of communication that we've had um and something we slowly did um from like thursday last week was just like tapering off fatigue and i don't know but i've never gone into a peak week with like multiple new lows coming in. we always think there's maybe new lows to be coming and then they never quite come like i just <laughs> see kind of like a bit of a plateau and the weight goes up a bit and then so to see that's a big new low for me 167.8 i think i was and previous to that like i barely got below the 170s in terms of pounds yeah so i wonder if actually there i would be in that period of time like you said another month where maybe not like maybe not aggressively digging too yes. much but having periods of time to pull yeah pull back and almost do that like you said what um other people can do and like dirk has been able to like pull back into things and obviously uh, I think you probably need to talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, but I know he's had his own troubles with that approach as well. Because mm -hmm. you're ultimately on like a tightrope, aren't you, at that stage where yes. you've got to push, pull back, not fall off. Like, yes. Oh, it's yeah, a yeah, challenge. Yeah, yeah, you can't. I mean, I, that, that's something I, I, I feel like a lot of people fail to realize too, is you can't you can't maintain that level of conditioning. And I know um, Alberto and Dirk did an amazing job, but in order to hold that, I mean, you're going to risk losing tissue. And then you're also putting, you know, the athlete's psyche in at risk as well but i do think there is some you could undulate a little bit you know pull push pull um in your regard though i don't necessarily think you would have to get too aggressive in regards to digging like towards that you know last bit of fat loss i do think that calories could slightly come up kind of in you know the brian minor sense yeah 
And that's almost what we were slowly yeah. doing. And we were probably revealing, that's probably some of what we've been revealing. Like if we had another two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe that's where we would see that like fat free look. And then we'd go yes. into a peak week and be primed. Um, and it's frustrating in some ways to be like, oh, another month and I could have brought that <laughs> whole new level of condition. But uh, ultimately, this is definitely the best I've ever looked uh, and the most conditioned. And something that Brett has done a really good job of reminding me is when I have maybe been disappointed with placements uh, and kind of how I've done on stage, it just kept me kind of objective and like, don't question or doubt yourself too much. Like you still stand tall as a bodybuilder now. Like you aren't just Steve who comes to stage and has good condition. You have good muscularity. You have like some really good shots, which has been really helpful. Um, is that something you find yourself doing quite a lot with the athletes is kind of like building them up, but obviously not too much. Like if they look like shit, like you, you yeah. tell them how it is. Like you've yeah. had objective um, kind of things to say about how I've placed and what needs work and things like this. Yes, no, no, definitely. Um, I, I'm 100% on board with constructive criticism with, you know, all my clients and they appreciate that because sugar coating doesn't do anything for the athlete. You know that, I mean, everybody knows that. Um, but brain fart, sorry. You're going to have to <laughs> segue, sorry. It's, uh, do you find... I don't know. I find when I've talked to good coaches, they're good at bringing out the best in their athletes. And some people, you have to push them hard. Other people, you have to build them up almost because they push themselves the wrong yes. way sometimes. Yes. And and then just reminding them, I mean, reminding them of where they came from, you know, at the beginning of the season and then also from prior seasons too. And then one of the biggest things, especially with you, and I have a few from this year is... um explaining to them that you in a sport that is so subjective you cannot get emotionally attached to your placements you just can't i mean the judging panel is going to have you know a different um they're going to have a different taste on the show day uh criteria i mean while it is outlined it does differ show to show and so, and it is cliche as well but as so long as you are beating your previous package that's really all that you can ask for in a contest yeah. prep i think we all know it but it helps to have someone you trust and who you respect tell you that. Yes. Because I can say it and like I've even had flack for it on Instagram where I've said it and they're like, you're only saying that because you didn't place that well. And I'm like, I'm saying it because I want other people to see that that's what my, like that's how I view it. Because if they do similar to me, then they can feel that way rather than beating themselves up about it and putting everything on where they place. Because I think it's someone like Chris Berakat comes to mind where we spoke and he was like, I have a pro level physique as in he has a pro level physique, but he hasn't turned pro. It's kind of a question of when, not if for him, like Matt Ogus, for example, like I know he really wanted to turn pro for many years. He has a pro level physique for sure. It's just a case yeah. of when is it going to like turn in his favor? Cause you can't control who turns up. <laughs> Bingo. And, and, and that's something I have to explain to my athletes all the time too. It's like you, you, what we see on social media is just that. And so that that's kind of all that we do see. And we're, we fail to realize that there's other people that aren't on social media that are still competing as well, but you can't control who comes out of the woodworks. And sometimes you have freaks that are, that have, you know, world-class level, you know, packages that they are bringing to shows and that is never, you know, accounted for. And I'd be interested. I know you said, uh, and yep, hopefully <laughs> not, uh, let me say this again. So at some of my shows uh, at like the UK DFBA international finals, WMBF uh, finals there, you're like, that's almost like world standard in some cases. Um, I'd be interested because you're obviously in the US. And so you see a lot of those shows. Do you, have you seen like a distinct difference in competitor there? Oh, yeah. And this is not a knock on the US at all. But in at, at the moment, I would say at least for the past two to three years, there has been a huge explosion, you know, on the overseas. So in the UK, you know, Italy, Germany, the the level and the quality of athletes over there is top five world class. Now that isn't to say that the U S doesn't turn out really good athletes. I just don't think that we have as many high quality shows anymore, at least. And I just don't believe bodybuilding is as popular as it once was, you know, back in the early 2010s. I mean, you, you could see it with um, 
the amount of people that are attending shows and the amount of athletes that are competing. I mean, especially, you know, this past natural mania, the natural mania used to be one of the most prestigious shows. It would have hundred plus athletes. Um, I want to say there was maybe 20, 25 bodybuilders total. Wow. Yeah. I guess COVID's and, hit that as well, but still. Yeah, no, um, I would, I would say, yeah, the pandemic definitely played a significant uh, role in that, but it's, it's been slowly trending down. I, I would say it's due to maybe classic physique becoming a little bit more popular, uh, men's physique becoming That's more popular. exploded here. Yeah. But just even at these, you know, pro qualifiers, that's another thing too, is the U S kind of hands out pro cards like they're candy. Whereas I, I think the UK does it the correct way. I do like the qualifiers because it, when you do get that pro card, you're going to make a quality pro as opposed to you cherry pick a show in the US, you win a pro card. Where do you go from there? Yeah. I think sometimes that hurts the athlete almost. Yes. Yes. And that's not to say like that person didn't deserve to win, but I, I think the goal should be if, if you are to turn pro, you want to be a competitive pro. You don't just want a pro card for the sake of winning a pro card. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but it's kind of like earning a shiny Charizard versus buying all the packets, <laughs> hoping you're eventually going to get one. Whereas if you yes. like, don't know, earn it through a battle, like with your mates or whatever, yes. you really deserve that. Whereas, yeah, I think a lot of oh, it's, it's hard because social media has exploded. So I think in some ways it looks like the sport's maybe really grown and the quality's grown, but now it's kind of like almost like a bit of a sexy thing. It's like, oh, I turned pro, like I get to put it in my like bio, whatever. Now I'm a, a fully fledged online coach because I'm a pro natural. And it's like, what federation was that? What show was that? And you look at, potentially look at their physique, you're like, man, I feel bad for you because that if you actually competed against some pros, there's some people that are just going to wipe the floor with you. Yeah, you might not place at that point. And then, and then are they going to continue to compete as a pro or are they just going to allow it to expire and then yeah. you know, continuously repeat that cycle? I, I do, and this is a completely off topic. I do, I do think one of the main reasons why they are turning out higher quality athletes is I, I do think they take bodybuilding more seriously, but I also think education is much, much better as well. Oh, really? Just in regards to training, nutrition, just periodization as well in general. Hey, Pascal here. I just wanted to take the moment to talk about our membership site. Inside, you'll find a thriving forum, an extensive exercise library, courses, presentations, and research reviews. All I need you to do is hit the link in the description below and sign up. That's interesting because I would, I always look at, uh, like, for example, on this podcast, I think about all the guests and I'm like, that, man, yeah. so many of the experts are like Helms, Isratel, like Cliff Wilson, uh, and this in bodybuilding specifically. I think of all the, a lot of the oh. US guys, but. It's interesting because we have like the enhanced side here for me is quite big and pro prominent and there's a lot of education in that side with like well, Jordan Peters, for example. JP, yeah. Yeah. So, and then obviously that has come down into the natural side. And I think a lot of naturals actually end up following that education and a lot that's of it's true. good. Uh, but yeah, it's a, yeah, that's an interesting, and then you have like Das Gym in Germany, which is like pumping out a lot of information and education. It's a crazy great gym. So, uh, and they pump out amazing competitors as well. So they do. That, that's uh, Valentine, right? I believe. Yeah. Okay. And Jan, I believe as well. Yeah, Jan. I think trains over there as well. They, yeah. they, they put out such high quality athletes. It's it's unreal. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I'm even thinking of the. Um, I can't remember exactly what show Dirk did, but that bantamweight class was it was the GMBF maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I immediately reached out to Jan, and I'm like, "This is a that's a world class right there." And it's an yeah. amateur class. It, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, I I do think the sport has you know evolved quite a bit in the past five years, but especially yeah. in the past two to three, like it's just exploded. And what do you from what you've seen at least in the recent years and in this season, maybe for me, what do you see being rewarded? Like, do you, do you see it changing in terms of what they're rewarding in terms of the look that they're looking for that comes to stage? Uh, like certain attributes or like obviously there's size conditioning yeah balance. um uh, now are we speaking the world level are we speaking 
whatever level you want to like play that if just in general if you've seen any generality because at least from my angle like shredded glutes over the last like that used to be a calling card for people whereas yep. now it's like a standard sure yes and it's funny you say that because i was um i was looking back on my photos and this is gonna sound crazy to you but I think that's outdated conditioning now. It's no, I'm I'm being a I'm I'm being a hundred percent. It sounds crazy because it's leaner than me. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, fuck you, Brad. I'm outdated already. I'm no, okay. yeah, no. I, I had that like sudden realization just just with all the you know the flood of athletes these past two years that I have been seeing getting pumped out, and I'm like, that that was great for 2019, but this sport just keeps evolving. That's that's the usual nowadays. That that's almost it's not amateur level, but that's just pro quality. I mean, take a yeah, look I at Brandon yeah, Kepper's athletes. They're yeah. all diced at the socks. Um, but I do think, I think strided glutes are kind of, they're the norm. I think even deeper strided glutes, you know, similar to Dirk or like uh, Brian with the giraffe bra on Instagram, like that, that level of a conditioning is, it's required almost even at the amateur level. And then, you know, at the the pro level and the world world level it's those tiny percentages of you know uh symmetry differences or muscularity differences um and then conditioning is kind of like the cherry on top yeah i think when i went if i just consider myself like 2017 i placed at the uk dfba international finals like in fifth okay this, yeah i came fifth and this year and i qualified at third um so it depends like sometimes people drop off at qualifiers who are like winning caliber but they just can't like quote unquote, hack it or they've got other life demands whatever um they haven't periodized into it maybe they've like brought their best to that qualifier and now they've got nothing more to give so they're just burnt out but i ended up coming fifth or as i look at that 2017 physique you put me in the recent worlds <laughs> uh or not worlds the recent qualifier uh international finals and i don't think i would have placed no doubt actually no doubt yeah. in my mind i wouldn't have placed i would have been uh, right at the end with uh, the other guys so in 2017 just good conditioning and i'm better yeah. conditioned now but just good conditioning could get you far whereas now it's like good conditioning with really good muscle mass might get you like okay but you need now fantastic conditioning fantastic muscularity yep. to start winning shows um especially like the finals and things like that and that's what we've seen hurt me where i might have level amounts of muscularity or condition as others but my symmetry lets me symmetry. down yes so and that's something that i think is really cool that you've been helping me with as well is like what can we do to improve continue to bring out a bit more condition how are we going to improve symmetry well, we can't get too flat because that hurts symmetry because muscularity and then manipulating posing is something we've been working on. No, big time, big time. And that's actually something that uh, Jeff Alberts like drilled into my head as a, a teenager. Since, I mean, just like you, I had to rely on conditioning, but I also had to rely on posing in order to hide my weaknesses and express my strengths. So in your case, with symmetry not being, you know, on, on the lines of, let's say, a Brian Whitaker, or, you know, even a uh, Andrew Scott, you have to, you know, hit poses in a certain way that's, you know, highlight your strengths, but then also, you know, hide away the weaknesses. And with yours, your side shots are great. Back shots are great. It's, it's more so the front shots. And the sad thing is, is that's the pose that is the primary dictator of kind of where you're going to place, you know, in a lineup. It's the first shot that you're going to hit. It's, you know, the one that you're going to hold the most amount of time on stage yeah it's i know the it's, feedback at least i've had when i have had it and we knew it already it was just a case of yeah. we it surprised me um and i've put even more stock into posing um and also just like symmetry in general for athletes because it's something you do have in control but not to a large degree but yeah. i think something as a reminder where some people might be looking and they'll be like man I don't have great symmetry either. Like I have a big bone structure or whatever. And it's a case of like 2017, 2014, my symmetry was like probably trash, uh, particularly on the front shots. My symmetry looks a lot better now because I'm far more muscled. So it is something yes. you can improve upon, but there is that X frame 
that people want to see. Yeah. And that's not, and that's not to say that you don't have symmetry. You, you do like, don't get me wrong. It's just at, at that top, you know, upper echelon level, it, the smallest bit of, you know, asymmetries really do, you know, show when you're standing next to another world-class athlete. And I think it's hard because when I think of symmetry or people listening as well might think like, oh, like that means like your arms are in relatively decent size to your legs and there's no like clear weaknesses and strong points. And I don't think it's it like, obviously my arms are relatively a strong point. My legs maybe are a slightly weaker point, but it's not like that's re- they're really unsymmetrical and I look terrible. It's more of a case of symmetry is also like that the x frame and the small waist and the taper that's what i'm lacking (laughs) yes and then i mean then it just boils down to genetics and structure and you know how how do the muscles insert like how do your quads do you have like a quads how is your quad sweep um do you have you know wide shoulders up top how are your lats tying in are they high are they low and then you know the same applies for a waist i mean your waist is i would say your waist is it's not blocky it's it's i would say i'm a spongebob SpongeBob. No, I don't think it's SpongeBob. No, but yeah, not SpongeBob. <laughs> I'm rectangular. Oh no, well, SpongeBob's square, isn't he? <laughs> at least, it, so, at least it's not Patrick. Uh, yeah, I want an upside down Patrick, which is something we have worked on. <laughs> is like contorting my front shot, so um, trying to twist the waist more. So I'm going to see how much. And we've applied that, and I think that's actually something that I can take forward into future seasons and things as well now um and i think also in future seasons i having had this experience with brett i think i'd be way more inclined just to be like brett you're just going to be my coach because at the end of the day the way we've ended up doing this is it's almost coaching and i like it i love the relationship we've got and the back and forth but it's pretty much coaching and i think in some areas uh, I would, or, and I make the end, like the final call and everything. But in uh, some course, cases, I think it would be helpful just to be like, from my perspective, to put it all in your corner. Kind of like, you know, you you did the same with Cliff for yes. yours, where it's just a case yes. of, you may you probably could have had the relationship with Cliff like we've got now and you could have got to the same result, but it maybe would have been easier and more uh preferable for both individuals to have just been like oh like the way you did it you just handed it over yes yes no because even i mean i'll be honest if i were in your shoes and if i you know was bouncing ideas off of somebody i i still don't think i would have been able to make you know those executive calls i would have still been second guessing myself as opposed to nope here's the keys just automate the process for me tell me what to do you point i'll shoot yeah type of deal i think i've particularly would have seen value in that for the last bits of body fat that needed to come off just where I was kind of indecisive. Do I push? Do I pull? What do I do here? And whilst it's nice having like a dynamic chat with someone, it's probably better just to be like someone who can just be like, do this and don't overthink it. Yes. And now you know. Uh, and actually, at least what I can say is I think um, come next time I compete, you know me way better in terms of how yeah. my body responds. And I also know like in a peak week, like I was even th- reflecting on it yesterday when we started the load, I was like, oh, I've got a little bit of edema here. It's like, whenever I peak, depending on the aggressiveness of that carb load, I'll get edema that first day, mm-hmm. but it'll be gone pretty much the next. Yes. Uh, actually on peak week, because people love talking about it, I actually don't know what your preferred peaky approach is, if you have one even, what you find yourself <laughs> using most often with athletes. So I will say this past year, it has definitely... It has definitely changed. I, I in prior years I used to always use a front load, um, and then I started to experiment a little bit with the back load. But I have always been very, very, very passive, and always eared on the side of caution. As you know, I, I don't want to spill the athlete. That's I, I've always thought that flat and hard looks better than spilled, especially for show day. Um, but this past year, I have definitely leaned more towards the progressive linear load just because it's more f- foolproof. You can actually, you know, assess daily and there isn't as much unpredictability that does occur, you know, throughout the course of the week. And I have found that with the back load, I, I think that's Cliff's calling card. And I think he just has that, that eye for, it, and it's, it's an art with him. I've, I have utilized it, um, on myself in the past, along with a few other athletes and mixed reception um but this year definitely it's it's 
been more of a progressive load, especially for bikini athletes, uh, bodybuilding athletes, um, and men's physique as well. It's really cool to hear because yeah. I think, like, I, I definitely found for myself, like, that seems to bring the most predictable look. And I would say the biggest thing for me that I've enjoyed using it with myself and others is, like, the, the daily confidence build. Like, you yes. just look better every day. And then eventually yes. you hit, like, a look and you're like, now all we need to do is pretty much do the same just every day. It. Yeah, yes. whereas with any of the other approaches – Maybe you've practiced it, but will your practice run run exactly how you're going to run it, it now? Exactly. And that's why I, I'm 100% on board with mock peak weeks, but it, it, it's never the same. I mean, then you have to factor in travel because you're not traveling when you're doing a mock peak. You're, you're not, you know, getting a poly. You're not doing, you know, getting tan, you know, the night before. And I mean, even the same applies for like a backload. Like there's so much that can change if it's, you know, all pushed the Friday night before. And again, that kind of goes back to, I do think when doing a peak week, it, it should be tailored to that specific, you know, athlete and um, be based around their psychology. Like if, if they're a stress ball throughout the course of the week, I don't think a backload is going to be the greatest, you know, approach for them. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And actually on travel, um, yeah, I already have stressed myself out enough about (laughs) travel to, to Vegas now. Um, Mm -hmm. even things like it's an extra eight hours and it's like, what does that impact? And, uh, I looked up like the humidity in the plane is like, (laughs) it's worse than the Sahara desert. So you need to drink more. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. but I just normally drink the same amount. So I'm already like, I'm going to drink two to three liters more. I've just cooked all my meals. I'm going (laughs) to freeze all of those for the flight. Um, and then it's like sourcing a microwave the next day. That's all going to be interesting. Um, and what else? And yeah, I, I, I think ultimately the good thing is with the progressive linear load is we're not doing anything too different day to day. So the flight is just kind of like, it's going to be similar to today's food and it's just an elongated day where I'm going to be sat a lot of that time, a little bit more fluids. Whereas if we were, I don't know, depleting on that travel day, I can imagine that being quite stressful and yes. that's really hurting the look. And then if you are depleting, that's another variable you're really changing. Whereas... If you're just building everything up, it's like, okay, so you're drinking a bit more because of the humidity, what have you. Your carbs are moving in that direction as well. So it should bring a fairly predictable look uh, through that period of time. So, yeah, when there is a spanner thrown in, it's kind of like, well, because we're not changing too many things, it ultimately makes the process a bit smoother too. And I think people can do it. But I spoke to AJ very briefly, actually, because he did a rapid backload for his last show and he was quite happy with it. And he was like, "The, the deplete when flying was awesome horrendous <laughs> it was it like, i don't think many athletes will be able to do it and i was like Whew. yeah i'm not sure <laughs> yeah i i ended up having to drive for worlds while i was depleting myself and it was it was it was awful you were driving oh yeah oh yeah oh, night, night of into the morning too oh. that, yeah yeah that's a whole other topic though <laughs> that would yeah i mean i can't even the, the amount of concentration you need to be able to drive like and then trying to deplete at the same time man all yeah, of the ca- all of the caffeine <laughs> yeah i bet oh dear so and then even like like you said travel during peak week and then there's other variables that can change like even like last night uh with my dog and we had to take her to the emergency vet yeah. in the middle of the night and it was like that just throws a spanner in the works so if you have too many spanners thrown around, it's just a case of like, how, how do I kind of keep things under control? A mock peak week certainly isn't going to be the same no. now that that's happened. Uh, so yeah, it's, and then it's even with like sodium and fluids, just knowing where they are and be able to be like, okay, so you want similar amounts when I get into the US. Thankfully, a lot of my food is like oats and potatoes. So it's like, it's pretty easy stuff to be able yeah. to go and get in like a warm-up. Uh, but yeah, if you're, I don't know, manipulating all of that and you have to buy particular foods and like recognize what amounts are in each of those, it's stressful enough. It's kind of like, yes. I guess, the way I'd analogize it is, I don't know, if you're tracking just protein and calories, all you need to track, and then you start, like, no, you need to know your carbs, your fiber, like you need to know your micronutrients. And like, it's like, oh God. A so <laughs> yeah. It can be a lot. And that's something I don't, I feel like people fail to realize too, is life doesn't stop for peak week either. So things can pop up that you just, you have to roll with the flow with. And that's kind of why I think a progressive load is superior too, is it's day to day. It's more or less the same. Yeah. And you can always pull back. 
that that's you know the other you know great foolproof option of it yeah is it allows that and then for you brett have you got any clients going to worlds i do you do so cool. i do yes yeah, so josh so he ended up competing um this last weekend won his pro card in the ocb he is going to be doing the amateur bantamweight portion of okay. worlds this sp- year it feels like there's loads of bantamweight it's like everyone's there's a bantamweight so I'm many like, so many <laughs> Why are I in the bantamweight? So. They're, they're small enough to be up on that stage. <laughs> you can fit 20 of them in there because they're so yeah. small. <laughs> yeah. Little head, head judge uh, joke reference yeah, that from was, Worlds. Yeah. The head, actually, I, I liked some of what he was saying, but that was like, that was a bit out of order. Come on, man. Like, don't. These guys have a lot of muscle mass up here. Yeah. Um, I'm excited, actually, for, like, I've been just binge watching as i imagine you did at some stage as well like just well oh yeah just oh yeah just them go through and the thing i'm excited for is you really get time i've done sh- yes. like five shows and so i've got a lot of experience but i was really worked at the wmbf which is great because that set me up hopefully for worlds so i was like i did the two bros and i mean you've seen the video footage i was up there for like a minute yeah it's just it, it's it, unfortunate it, yeah, you don't even get that experience. So it's great to know Worlds is going to have like, yeah, it's just going to be a, a great time up there. Who Did you say you have some other athletes as well? You have a Bantam? Um, just Josh. Just Josh just this Josh. year. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I don't even, because there's uh, like different feds have, I, it's weird actually the WMBF UK have height classes, but when we go to Worlds, mm-hmm. it's weight classes. So um Worlds, it, yeah, it's definitely weight classes. I know it is because I had to, Yes, put myself yes, yes. in the middleweights um but yeah there's bantam lightweight what uh middleweight heavyweight is there like above a heavyweight as well no no no, no. okay not anymore at least no i as far as i recall now it used to I've just never be light seen... light middle and heavy okay yeah so, i've not even seen bantam before so it's yeah it's it, i want to say it's new but they did start implementing it like back in 2016 at is the that under level. 150 Yes, I think it's a 150.5 or 149.5. Okay. Um, but yeah, people are asking me, where am I going to land? I'm like, I'm pretty much like your most typical middle ever. Like I'm yeah. never going to be like, unless I really fuck something up in peak week, I'm not going to be, there's no way I'm going to be a lightweight unless I don't eat. I was going to say, you could maybe sneak into the lightweight class, but then you'd have to fast, deplete. Uh, is it worth it? And then I don't, is heavyweights like, I don't even know what the heavyweight is. Is it above 175 or? Yes, it's 175 okay. or 180. And and some, um, I want to say in 2019 Worlds, they had us weigh in the night before. So they had a little bit different the weight night. class. Wow, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That <laughs> little, little a bit, yeah, a little bit stressful because we didn't know if there was going to be a Bantam class, a lightweight class, how many they were going to split us up in. And if you're rapid um, backloading that day. <laughs> bingo. No, actually, so um, my client, Josh, uh, for the natural mania they had the way in the day of the show that's normally how ours run really in the morning huh. yeah interesting I think, yeah i'm pretty sure we yeah register on the day that's normally how most of ours run really huh. yeah very interesting how do you do you prefer that or the night before because i have Is more it... experience doing it that way i always just preferred it that way huh okay height that removes that variable at least i don't know if that, you have a preference for height or weight I would say I'm more biased towards weight, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, weight, most definitely. Yeah, that's what I tend to be. And I don't know, actually, I don't know if you know anyone, but I actually don't know anyone in my weight class apart from uh, Martin Lamont, who's also coming from the UK. So um, he's the only guy who I know I'm competing against. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't, I, don't I don't know too many middleweights either. I feel like the Bantams and lightweights are a little bit more... Bantams, lightweights, and heavyweights are a little bit more popular on social media i would say yeah maybe even though there should be more middleweights like it's the most normally the biggest class and yeah in terms of numbers and i think there's over 250 competitors this time around yes which i I think yeah go on i think it's i think it's more than 2019 because i know 2019 really yeah i think 2019 set the record with it was like 225 or 200 oh damn i thought it would be a smaller year due to just everything that's going on so that's that's incredible that's awesome that makes me even more excited Um, Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. 
At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. So yeah, I've got uh, my polygraph is at 8 a.m. on the next day after we land. So that'll be fun. <laughs> but I'm glad it's it's kind of like, I don't know, I just you... get hit by something every time. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I have no time to think about it. Like I'll land, mm -hmm. get, we you... get in at 7 p.m. Do you still get nervous before your poly? Oh, I will. I, <laughs> I've only actually ever done one polygraph um, and it was very long because really? of my background. If they ask a question mm -hmm. in one way, I answer it but they need to answer ask it in a certain way for me to be able to pass because it's just stupid if they ask it in the other way mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. have you ever taken something like a banned substance like well yeah you know my medical background yes but bob knows this so he's had i've sent like the like they okayed me to compete so they i sent it all across and andy knows it and everyone so thinking about it makes me nervous but i'm like i should be the least nervous person because they've already okayed my medical yep. background so in fact like i know there's I know I haven't done anything in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I'm glad. Yeah, I'm just glad it's early to get out of the way because it would, it does just, it rots on my mind type of thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I still get um, nervous myself. So, <laughs> and to think because it, it, it kind of scares me because I think of people like myself who are traveling so far, spending thousands of pounds on accommodation, flights, on everything. And then polys aren't 100%, you know? Nope. So I don't even know because they're not hundred percent. I don't know if they have like a, like if you're just negative, because there must be like, it's not black and white. You're clearly <laughs> lying or you're clearly telling the truth. I wonder if there's like a, I don't know, a smudge factor even where they're like, oh, look at Steve. Like he's fucking natural <laughs> <laughs> or something. I don't know. But I just, yeah, that's, that's terrifies me that, to think I could go all that way for a test to come up because it's not fundamentally a hundred percent. Yeah, I do know. I do know. I want to say it was Connor St. John. He ended up having to retake it because I, I, I believe he failed in the morning and it was obviously he's natural, but they made an exception. I think they either had him take it the night of or the next day because he did end up winning his pro card, but he had flown. I, I think he came from Canada. So he, ended, yes. he, you know, spent a ton of money on it as well. But I do, I do know that they sometimes will make exceptions, but in your case, I mean, come on now, Steve. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, that, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of, I understand why they use the polygraph. I think a lot of natural competitors do, but I think a lot of us are still like, but I, for me, it's off-season testing is the way it needs to go. Oh, agreed, agreed, agreed. Like, and that, uh, that's, yeah, that's a whole other- Get Brett a test now. <laughs> Clearly I'm waiting, that. I'm waiting. <laughs> Actually, that's a great leeway because we've talked about me enough. Um, and hopefully people have got sold enough on the idea of having a coach throughout a contest prep and how great Brett has been in my corner. Um, I don't think, like I said to Brett, I don't think there's anyone else who could have done it, to be quite honest, because I just Appreciate that, Steve. think we just think so similarly. And I just have so much respect and trust for you. Um, and yeah, I know you, I just know ultimately you are all about bringing the best Steve to stage. And that's what I need uh, that person to be. Um anyway uh how are things for you how's the off season going when are you next do you have <laughs> plans in place to compete again are you so gonna be heavyweight yeah, super super <laughs> come on man yeah i'm gonna compete 40 pounds over stage weight i'm a uh, five foot eight now i'm 250 pounds in my off season no um <laughs> no i so the wmbf does require us to compete every two years uh pandemic we were given you know a free year um so technically this year i was supposed to compete Obviously, that wasn't the case, but I am potentially going to be competing in 2022. Given I'm, I'm going to end up doing, I'm going to do a cleanup phase um, after the new year, kind of get an idea of what I'm looking at. This is the heaviest I've ever been during an off season, but it's the best I've ever looked. Amazing. How um, heavy, by the way? 180, 182. Okay. Which, yeah, I, I have posted pictures before of 180. It was you know, not pleasing to the eye. Um, entirely different story this time around. I do, I do say that is uh, mainly based on Helms taking over my training. He's you know helped me quite a bit in regards to that. Um, but I am 
eyeing the 2020 season. I'm not 100% sure yet which show I'm going because I have to qualify for Worlds, which is another. I, I feel like if you are a previous winner, I you shouldn't have to. Yeah. But <laughs> but most likely we'll do probably the Pro Universe. So that's the uh, pro portion of the National Mania, which okay. is in se- September. And then I am debating on kind of a, a shorter prep this time around as well. Since I did spend, I mean, 2019, it was almost a 10-month prep, yeah. which, as you know, it places quite the wear and tear on you. Not yeah. not just you, but also, you know, yeah. those, are, those around you. <laughs> and that's and really what, cool. Yeah. Um, is there anything with Helms taking the helm on training? Helm. <laughs> uh, is, is anything specifically you think you've done differently this period of time? Um, I just think it's, it keeps, it holds me more accountable because, and I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, whenever I'm in the off season, you know, post-show, everybody's, you know, super motivated. I have always fallen off a little bit just due to work, due to family. Helms has just been there in my corner. Yeah. You know, being, you know, Helms, you know, but, um, just having that extra set of eyes and that guidance, you know, goes a long way, especially, I mean, it's it's great for contest prep, but I think it's important as well during the off season, just having that extra push. Yeah. And I think it, like you said, you can prep kind of people want to take that diligence into their off season. And I think that's a really good thing, but there's only a certain level you should take yes. and then people get complacent. Um, and if you don't have like, a, I think I'm very lucky because my lifestyle is like, dog i'm self-employed like i have control of my time so me and routine like i can just get like i don't fall out of i don't become complacent but if you have a family you have life you have like bits and bobs going on i can definitely see a coach making a huge difference even just having it doesn't matter it was almost obviously it's amazing having eric there but almost just someone overlooking that making sure you're getting it done making sure you're checking in so that's really cool to hear that it's not like i don't know i magically have changed this or like it's this one thing no and it, it's just funny consistency. enough yeah no it's it's consistency and funny enough this is um the way in which um he has been programming my training this is the least amount of volume i've done hmm. ever it, especially in regards to direct arm volume oh and, wow yeah and this it's the most growth i've ever seen in my arms and upper body in general so it, no it's, you, it's 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 been great learning from eric as well do you attribute that to getting more from i guess you're getting more from less so that's exactly what you're doing yep. you concentrating more on the work versus yes, having so much to have to do yes i would say the quality is definitely up there as opposed yeah. to just you know slapping you know sets on top of sets on top of sets yeah can easily you can easily get into especially on your weak body parts get tempted to just be like more is better so i'm gonna just hammer oh yes. more and more and more and then yeah it's difficult Junk not volume. to sacrifice yeah exactly exactly that so that's really cool to hear about. And did you um, place anything? Do you place legs on the back burner? Like, do you leave them at maintenance or do you still look to grow those? So legs, yeah, legs have been on the back burner. I mean, we did, I did ask, I mean, the previous block, I did ask for more uh, direct quad work. I know it sounds crazy, but given that I did have a lower back hip injury, uh, squatting patterns and hip hinge patterns were kind of put on the back burner. But at the moment, um, legs are two times per week but very, very minimal, minimal volume, six to eight sets. Okay, cool. That's like where I'm at now, <laughs> but it makes cool. sense. I'm end of prep, whereas you're, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right in there. So um, I'm trying to round, I mean, I'm very excited about the prospect of you getting back on stage, especially like a new and improved Brett with bigger arms and just like, you're going to have even more symmetry, more condition. I think for you, like, I'm not sure body fat was an issue. It's more of a, just a case of if you have more muscle, you're going to look more conditioned. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I'm very excited about that because yeah, you'll stand up uh, big time in like overalls and everything. So thank you. I, I can't wait to to follow that journey and see how everything goes. Uh, in terms of me at Worlds, do you have, I, for me, my goal is obviously just to get up there, enjoy it. I would love to place in the, top half of the class that's kind of like in my mind if i do that it's that's amazing what do you think the prospects of me doing that are? i know it's an impossible question i don't really know why i've asked 
<laughs> yeah, I would have to. I mean, I would have to see how many competitors are in there. Um, I do. I do think that is a really good goal. I mean, you're you're not setting expectations too high to the point that you're disappointed if you do fall below them. Um, go pro or broke. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I have always. I, I have always been a top eight top eight or top five and i'm happy yeah so so for you i i especially at the world level this is you know the cream of the crop of athletes like you are here on an invite that's something that you have to remember so a top five placement is it's it's gold yeah if i can do anything like to that level i'll be yeah so and i think just ultimately standing up there knowing and seeing pictures and being like yeah i, I belong up there yeah yeah and you're a complete bodybuilder too. That's yeah. something I have to keep telling you. <laughs> Hopefully I don't stand too long on the sides. I was watching your videos and I was like, man, Brett just gets placed in the middle and he stays in the fucking middle. What a nice feeling that must be. It's the best lighting, all eyes on you. I also noticed, this is a complete weird side tangent. You're very flexible. Your knees, when you relax, your knees really come back. It's really uh, funny you say that because I had I had one of my my stepson's friends ask me that because I I'm double jointed in the knees so right I I just naturally like just my posture when I'm standing upright I my knees kind of bow so <laughs> I um the only thing very, I would say very observational I, I was looking at it and I was like you know what I wonder if not that because obviously you overthink this as a competitor you're like all your time on stage you're being judged I'm like. Brett, you just need to keep your knees bent because when they go back inwards, it looks kind of funky for some reason. I'm like, I wonder if that ever hurts you slightly. Just like, oh, no. nope. <laughs> it's like when I relax, I just look like, like I said, SpongeBob. I need to keep like in this like blown up position. <laughs> uh, amazing. I don't know if you have anything else to say. We didn't really have a topic in mind. Like I said, I just wanted to do this to uh, kind of tell the listeners what we've been doing together, um, kind of discuss some of the the finer details of what we've been doing, how that approach has looked, uh, why I think Brett's great and uh, having him in my corner has been an amazing thing uh, and definitely go check him out. Definitely keep your eyes on him for his uh, next step on stage because he is someone to watch. Uh, he is a previous uh, like overall winner and he is a fantastic competitor and he's going to do really well next time he steps on stage. And yeah, it's just a, kind of lead into Worlds, and I'm glad that we've been able to speak one more face-to-face. Shame that you're not going to be at Worlds, but I understand completely why you're not. Yeah. No, th- thank you for having me on, Steve, and I, I am just so proud of, like, how far you have come since knowing you. Just, to, I mean, to think that that kid that called in, you know, that one time on Eddie Talk Radio is now, you know, getting to go up there on that world stage. It's, it's, ah. It's the mind boggles. <laughs> it, it really does. My mind, yeah. It's it's kind of surreal. I don't think it's really happening until it happens. <laughs> no, and it's and, it, and and it's cliche to say, but it's really not going to set in until afterwards. Yeah, it, it really isn't. I mean, just especially after you leave that venue, you're going to be like, wow, that happened. And then on the flight back, I mean, yeah, I'm going to have to try and absorb it all as best it I is, can. Yeah, it is an incredible experience. It, it really is. Um. Yeah, I guess finally, if people want to, I know I mentioned your Instagram handle, but so people know uh, if they want to look at your coaching because you have a separate coaching page actually, which I realized far too late. Um, So where should people head if they want to kind of get in touch, follow your journey, potentially get in touch for coaching? So so coaching will be at ATP Performance or atpperformanceLLC.com. And then my Instagram handle is at Baftub, B-A-F-T-U-B. Real easy. Um, I'll make sure that's all uh, linked below so you guys can check that out. And yeah, wish me the best of luck for Worlds. And it's always a pleasure talking to you, Brett. And we'll have to do this again, uh, find a a true topic, uh, dig into that brain a little bit more. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Steve. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Floor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course.
Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people, uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is gonna be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there, you can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also gonna be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're gonna be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.